Hi, everyone. My name is Lindiwe Dovi, and uh, with Casper Melville, I'm the co-chair of the Centre for Creative Industries, Media and Screen Studies at SOAS University of London. I've also just launched a project with my team called African Screen Worlds Decolonizing Film and Screen Studies. And on behalf of the centre and the project, we are delighted that we are welcoming into the studio today two of Southern Africa's leading cultural activists and artists, South African Mpumalelo Mkata and Namibian Parivi Kachavivi. We also have with us former BBC journalist and activist and film producer Anna Tiemann from N Street Productions. And we are really excited to be talking to them today on the UK premiere of their film, Film Festival Film, which had its premiere at the Berlin Film Festival in February 2019. So welcome to the studio, Mpumalelo and Parivi and Anna. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Do you like to just start by telling us what Film Festival Film is all about, how the idea came to you to work on this film and how you got to where we are today? Pomelelo here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I think Film Festival Film was a or is a response to kind of the stuffy institutions and bureaucracy that kind of suffocates um, any f- real art filmmaking by independent young filmmakers, especially um, on the continent of Africa. So what we did is um, we went to a film festival, an international film festival, one of the oldest on the continent, one of the biggest, uh, the Durban International Film Festival in South Africa, and shot a film in three or four days, um, basically following a young black African female uh, filmmaker as she navigated this um, film festival space. Uh, It's a bit meta. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's called Film Festival Film. And it's like, I guess, a self-reflexive look at the so-called film industry. You made this film, as you're suggesting, with barely any budget. I mean, I believe you, the only thing you ended up paying for were two hotel rooms and then you used the cameras you already had and you really did this on a, on a shoestring budget, which is extremely inspirational in terms of, you know, not feeling like to make a film, you have to go and apply to all the, the World Cinema Fund and the, all the different European film festival funds. You just went and you did it. Yeah, indeed. I mean, it was, I often say it, it was like a jam, you know, it was collaborative, like a kind of a spur of the moment idea uh, in many ways uh, between friends um, to address something that we had been feeling um for a long time so this was the response this was how we thought we could deal with it and um, having a lot of projects in gestation ourselves um, the team that we have uh, which we then called uh, after the fact uh, the medu Af- african film ensemble so this this was um it was quite interesting because we realized that all of us have uh, skills and talents and we all do something, you know, somebody is a writer, somebody is an actor, somebody has, you know, has cameras as a cinematographer. And basically, if you just get together and do it, you can do anything. It's, it's, it's in as much as uh, it's like getting a band together, you know, basically. Can I ask you about the, the kind of content of the film? I mean, I don't know film festivals too well myself. I, I, while I was watching it, I was thinking more about academic conferences because it feels a little bit like that kind of space, a very strange space with kind of uh, hierarchies and things like that. In the film, you've got, uh, you've got a lead character who I believe is an actress um, pretending to be a filmmaker, but you also have real people that you, I don't know if you, would say that you ambushed them or that were they in there voluntarily? Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about who, who, who these people are that you t- end up talking to and interviewing? And So the, the idea was, um, was sort of twofold, was partly to, to follow this filmmaker who, as you rightly said, is, is actually an actress playing a filmmaker by the name of Fanon, uh, a young black um, female filmmaker from South Africa. And essentially, um, so we 
there is a sort of two part on the one side, we're following her through these festival spaces, which, like you said, in terms of going to a conference or going to any kind of where you have industry gather in such a concentrated way, um, it's kind of her navigating those worlds and those hierarchies, um, going, to a, going to a film screening, going to a party, going to a, 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 a panel discussion, going, then going to, yeah, and then eventually sort of building up this pitch that she's been working on sort of night and day in a hotel room and in the elevators as she navigates this space. And then we, what we did is at the same time, we, we engaged the sort of who's who of the industry who were present at the festival. So it was a, series, um, a, sort of collect, a collection of um, filmmakers, film producers, who are um, veterans, if you will, or experienced and quite successful in the South African and sort of wider global film industry. And in some ways, it means that the way we've constructed the film, they kind of appear like apparitions, we're sort of calling it. They, so you have, on the one hand, this filmmaker in her room, and then you have these very sort of staged interviews with these filmmakers. Um, so they're somewhat, um, you can kind of experience and appreciate them in isolation on their own, these engaging with these filmmakers, but they also kind of appear like voices in her head telling her what to do and what the industry expects of her at the same time. And uh, these were not, we didn't ambush them in the sense we, these were people that we, that knew very well what we were doing, that there was sort of a, a fictitious element to our project and also a documentary side. So it is very much a hybrid film in that sense. And so we just were interested in get, getting their experiences it, at festivals and asked them questions around sort of pertinent issues happening in the South, Af South African industry, around um, what their festival experiences have been like, um, and what their experience has been just, I think, making films and making films in, in, in and outside of South Africa. Part of, the, part of that, the, the process of, of hearing from these people, and in some ways there's a critical element to the reading of what they're saying, partly through the structure of the film and partly through just what it is they're saying, but there's an element also of kind of unstructuredness, and I think maybe you had a technique of letting the cameras run or some, something which wasn't just a formal interview. There was an element of things sort of leaking out in, in other ways. Can you say something about that technique? We had, we were interested in, in terms of the way we staged and covered the, the action, the interviews in those rooms was, was the idea to get both um, the filmmaker we're interviewing as well as our lead actor in character being the filmmaker prepping in the background. So you see her um, changing or reading or walking about in the hotel room. Um, so we wanted both those two things in the frame. And then we were we also gave them the actress uh, sort of creative license to to respond to to these people as she sort of sort of begins to hear their take on the industry and on film and what she should be doing and what's expected as a filmmaker, as an African filmmaker. It is a remarkable performance. We should name her. What's her name? Uh, her name is uh, Lindiwe uh, Machikiza, and uh, yeah, she's a, an amazing actress. She gives an amazing performance as Fanny, as our lead. Anna, could you maybe talk a little bit more about Lindiwe Machikiza's performance? You've um, told told me before about some interesting things around the the production, around how Lindiwe did her improvisation and and things that she was going through that she summoned in this performance. Yes, well, I think within the film, uh, at some point, uh, a filmmaker says in Lindiwe's presence, um, refers to on only an actor, and, and she immediately steps in and says, well, what do you mean by only an actor? You don't know when you walk into this set what what the actor is actually doing. They could be, they could have written this, they could be partly directing this. Don't assume that they're the least empowered in the room. And I think Lindiwe found the process of of this work to be one of the deepest and most enjoyable collaborations that she's had within the industry because she had so much power. So I think we wrote a series of anecdotes and ideas between the three of us, but mainly between Mpumalelo and Parivi. And we then passed that document on to Lindiwe. And first of all, she thought that she would write a full script. Um, but as she as she worked through the document and then began to take that just as a starting point, she was able, without it being written down, to know exactly where she would take those ideas and and transform them herself. Um, and so, and that's why the, the credit is for the ensemble, because it is an ensemble piece and her 
agency should not be underestimated in in that so so it's kind of judged just by the means of production as well as the the final result the film itself what's really interesting in the ways that you're all talking about the filmmaking process is how it breaks out of all those conventions of film as a particular discipline or convention and Pumi, you've spoken about how the film was almost like a jazz ensemble as well. You're now referring to it as like a jam. Um, and I know you came into filmmaking from music when you made your first film with Anna, the Black President. And you've said that in making that film, you really came to the filmmaking itself from the perspective of sound. Um, so that's interesting. That first film, The Black President, is also about a famous artist, the Zimbabwean Kudzanai Chiurai. So art is coming in. So it's just, it seems so interdisciplinary, the ways you are working. And also what seems really groundbreaking is this improvisational sense. And, and Parivi, I remember you saying about the uh, your film, The Unseen, um, how it was almost more of a conversation than a narrative. So could you all please speak a little bit about how important that is to, um, you know, to a new kind of filmmaking aesthetic and trend within African spaces? Yes, I think uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, back to this stuffy institutions and bureaucracy, you know, um, there's a lot of emphasis, overemphasis, I think, being put on sort of for, um, these old ways of doing things like for, like the forms uh so uh, first, yeah, there is the filling in of uh, a lot of application forms to film funding bodies. Um, you know, there's there's the writing of a script in a sp and it has to be a specific font and a specific type of layout in a specific sort of way. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think for me, I realized that, you know, some people are going to be better than others at filling in forms, you know, but then that doesn't really say anything about whether or not you're going to make good films. And there's a lot of good filmmakers who are not great at like being on the internet and sending like forms across the airwaves or cyberspace to to get grants to make films, you know. But um, yeah, I, I, and I think that's a big um, barrier uh, in filmmaking, uh, and because it's so costly and because mo moving these funds around requires all this red tape. The only thing, uh, instead of comp like spending time complaining, we felt, I guess, the only thing to do was to try to figure out a way to uh, answer that in the, in the same way that, uh, I guess, uh, punk music was born or hip-hop was born. Uh, it's like repurposing um, uh, and simplifying and getting down to the essence of what we're looking for. I mean, there are many feelings and emotions and ideas carried in film festival film that don't require, you know, CGI or like Alexa cameras or, you know, any big production companies coming in. You know, you, you, you have a story you want to tell, you have feelings you want to um, put across into the world. Um, it's all basically in you and you find a way. So that's what uh, I think film festival film is about. It's just a, you know, get up and do it attitude. What do you have? Look around you, um, and you basically put it together. I think that that's that was the feeling with uh, Black President as well. It was a feature length film. I mean, ended up premiering at a top tier international film festival. That that wasn't really part of the plan per se, but you know it happened and it's 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 that film was shot on you know uh everything we could get our hands on cell phones uh, dslr cameras whenever the 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 emotion struck you know you start you you were filming you know you didn't go oh let me go get my camera or whatever the case may be so yeah, I think I think um, film festival film is in is in is truly in defense of uh, the independent uh, filmmaker. Exploring that argument a little bit more in terms of you 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 make the comparison to hip hop and and other forms of popular music, and I'm I'm interested in audience here as well. I mean, as filmmakers, one of the things is how do you disseminate your work? Who's it? How do you get it to? The, I mean, hip hop you got to the people because you had block parties and people could hear it. 
how do you do that with film where issues of distribution and access and who, who gets to see it? How do, you, how do you get across what you're trying to say to presumably the people you're trying to say it to? Um, that's a good question. An audience is a hard one, but I, I would answer that first by maybe sort of inhabiting the space between this question and the last question, if I can answer that in a, in a sort of weird way, in that I would first take a step back and try and kind of critique and try and make sense of what these uh, what the industry is and what the distribution channels are doing that exist and what they're not doing. And I think in the spirit of Pumi's answer, what this film is, I think some of the work we've done before this is, um, to me, has been interesting and empowering in the sense that it, it is sort of making things on the margins and on the edges and sort of having, I like to say, having one foot in empire and one foot in something entirely of your own design. And the comparisons for me when I hear them in terms of punk music, hip hop, is saying maybe if we really wanted to, as, as, just as artists, as human beings, if we wanted to be examining who we are and making films that respond to that, it's hard to trust the sort of established uh, modes and, and models that exist. So the first thing I think is, is, and by making these films, I think we're doing that, we're kind of turning the camera on the thing itself and on ourselves and saying, well, what is this? Before we even move, before we even talk more about creating and what we create, what is this thing that we're actually existing in, the, the belly of the beast, the film industry, um, capitalist um, machinery of it all? Um, and then, because that is quite suffocating, and I'm not sure if in the spirit of, I mean, even some of these recent critiques about the Marvel films, just that comment of this is not human beings making art about what other human beings are feeling and experiencing. This is something else. Now, maybe it's all film, maybe it's all cinema, maybe... You know, that's debatable, but it's not the same thing. So I think I'm feeling that in terms of, um, in the spirit of what we've been trying to do and what a lot of other artists I think are doing are saying that to just be an African artist or creative or filmmaker, surely you we need to take on this sort of new way of seeing or a different way of seeing or creating because the, the existing model I don't think is serving the artistry or serving the human being. Is It's... it's um, and, and that's what we sort of set out to explore. How do you create and how do you just be human within this, you know? And there's a lot of pressure, and we heard this in Berlin. Oh, Africa is so hot right now. You, should, you guys should really get on it. Hurry up, hurry up. You're going to miss it. Like, you're just, you're a trend. So yeah. you're going to miss it. If you don't find a way to sort of package your soul, your creativity quickly, you're going to miss this. So, so what is that? I mean, that's not, that's nothing natural about that. And how do you... Uh, work within those confines. So I'm trying to make sense of that to even be able to answer that question, to, to even be able to say, well, um, do you want to go the studio model? Do you want to sort of mass market your art or your creativity? And is there space for independent models within that? If you follow that, can you do both? Can we you know, access our audiences at home without, because for us usually you have to go to Europe or you have to go outside of say Namibia or maybe South Africa and, and be, before you can even sell your product back. And wh whether we're talking about my film or diamonds or uh, agriculture or whatever, nothing is made in Africa. It's all, all the raw materials, be it the human capital or be it resources are shipped out and then packaged back to us. So how do we, do, you know, for us to sort of intervene or disrupt that is, is asking a lot. And, and yeah, I don't <laughs> just want to make a film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our logline for this film was good cinema is what happens while you're busy waiting for permission. So I really struggle with the idea of waiting for permission. I never get myself into a dynamic to do with my work where I have given all the power over to somebody else to say whether or not I can be involved in either my self-expression or the self-expression of the directors I'm fortunate enough to work with work with and all three of us produced this film so we were very aware of and in a very detailed way found all kinds of ways that we would never ask for permission so we didn't ask for permission to film at the hotel of the hotel we didn't ask for permission um, to film all of the scenes of uh, the film festival rooms within that hotel we we knew our legal position for every single kind of contribution that you see in the film if we're quoting from a, a cartoon from Despicable Me if we're quoting from a film work like The Adventures of Supermama it's very important for filmmakers to understand particularly if they're working 
both in fiction and documentary and in the so-called hybrid in between, to know when it is that you don't ask for permission because once you ask for permission, you're immediately limiting your self-expression. Your freedom of expression is enshrined in all of the jurisdictions of all of the people that contributed to film festival film. So if you're going to make work without asking for permission, you need to prepare yourself in every single way. So creatively, legally, financially, you need to think about what it is you have in your hands, not what you don't have in your hands. Because what you don't have in your hands may not matter. It's only, it only matters if you believe the fiction that it matters. It doesn't matter. Can I just ask you then, it, it sounds like from what you've been saying that the filmmaking world is a world where people have become tied up in knots or are not sure that they're able to go ahead and do it and that part of what you're trying to do and what you've just said is to say to young filmmakers or anyone, you actually have some tools that you can do and you shouldn't be just waiting around for permission or, you know, whether it's from a distributor or a funder or a grant body or even the person that you want to film. I mean, go ahead, make your work. If, if other people who have appointed themselves as powerful in any of those sectors approach you, consider working with them, but don't give them the power to say whether or not your work is made. Can I add, and the interesting thing here is the kind of paradoxes your character of Fanon in the film is waiting for permission. She spends a lot of the screen time in the film rehearsing for this pitch, hearing these voices of these industry personnel in her head, you know, as they sit in her hotel room. And I think it's really fascinating as well that the film she wants to make as a black South African filmmaker, female filmmaker, is about Marike de Klerk, the, uh, the murdered wife of uh, F.W. de Klerk, the, the, the former president of South Africa who got the Nobel Peace Prize at the same time as Nelson Mandela. So here's a black South African female filmmaker wanting to make a story about a white woman. And, and she makes a lot of that in the film. She talks often about, you know, oh, could we see this white woman actually as a, as a victim? So for me, the film raises really critical issues also about um, who, you know, who tells other people's stories. And I find it quite empowering that it also suggests that there's an important need here for us to move beyond just simple positions um, and, you know, we know there's been that century-long white gaze in filmmaking on, on, on black Africans. But here we have a black filmmaker who wants to cast a black gaze on a, on a white character. Yeah, that was uh, definitely it. Um, in, in, in some ways, it's, it's, it's twofold, could be morefold could be like kaleidoscopic folds <laughs> i don't know um when i when i said the film was meta i think it might be an understatement um it has to be seen to be believed because precisely because it was not scripted i myself watch the film and keep seeing new things and discovering new layers um so yeah bit of a pocket rocket you know a mid-length thing going on there but um, yes, in terms of this uh, Marika de Klerk story, you know, in, in some ways it started off. So the first thing that I see was basically it started off as us thinking to ourselves, what would be the craziest uh, story, most insane story like that somebody could want to make a film about um, most like kind of dangerous ground in the vein of say four lions you know this film four lions yeah, yeah uh, about the terrorists about the terrorists it's like brilliant so it was you a mean, deliberately sort of wacky idea or yeah. one that you felt would have trouble breaking through yeah so so and you know you you look at four lions as a as a synopsis or and you just think this is not gonna go well like this is definitely no you know and then you watch it and it works you know and this story was kind of like that the part like thinking about it the first time was kind of like um frustrated filmmaker can't get all the stories that um they want to tell um told made nothing's getting made so eventually you just go for broke you go okay i'm gonna put together all the turndowns that i've had i've been turned down and rejected and i'm gonna put all those rejection letters together and formulate a story that addresses everything that i think that these people want to hear and you come up with this i'm gonna make a film about marika de Klerk, and it's gonna be an epic and you know so so that was uh one part of it the other part of it was actually wait a minute of course like 
maybe she does have a right to tell whatever you know story she wants to tell that maybe she can i mean i'm working on a script right now where i want to shoot in germany and one of the first funding uh, meetings that we went to in germany uh, they said yeah um, we could help you we could give you money but it has to be spent in africa you have to go so i was like but the film <laughs> the film is set in in germany it's about an african person in a village in the bavarian alps we have to make it here so now what happens is maybe if i was a different filmmaker a different person maybe i start to change the script i start to put together my rejection letters and i go back home my tail between my legs and i go make a film in my backyard so this this is the thing so so it's also about how capital starts to uh reshape uh, our thinking right down to our core like uh our ideas what we believe in and, and and we start to internalize it and start to think no that's my opinion this is what i think when actually it's been uh carved out by the system as it were very strong theme of you know who gets to tell what stories who has the right to tell stories and that the, the scene in about the film that you you have a bit of a of a, a filmmaker introducing her own film i think it was the baby mother film oh, sorry super, super mama, mama film that you referred to earlier and there seems this very strong sense that you know here's someone who has taken the right on herself to tell a story you know a white a white woman telling the story of a black woman but the other way around it's not going to work it's that almost never happens yeah <laughs> i mean there's one film i can think of uh, oliver hamanis uh, squenate uh, uh south african uh, filmmaker who who looks at uh, the africana uh, community colored fellow from south africa and that was a very interesting moment for me how he how he turns it around and has a look at that society and i think those views are uh, are valid especially now since the gaze has been going the other way for you know hundreds of years anyway you know. a, f- a few years ago the south african broadcasting corporation also had that radical project called black on white where they commissioned several short films and actually vincent malloy who is in film festival film he made one of those films uh, it was called men of gold about white homeless men in Johann- johannesburg really brilliant film and and yeah quite a radical um program for that reason i think we can connect that issue of gaze a little bit to to some music because I, I know you brought some music with you and I'd like to hear it. And uh, this issue of, um, you know, being able to tell, being asked to stay in your lane, you know, to do the thing, the expected thing. And um, I know, Mpele, you, you're a musician, but you're, so one would expect, you know, a South African musician, you're going to be working, you know, with township jazz, maybe a little bit of uh, Afrobeat, but that's not entirely what you're about. Um so maybe we should hear maybe we should hear a track and then you can you can talk us through it and give us some sense of how this fits in the, into your kind of creative work. What are we going to hear? Uh well, um yeah, my I have, I have this band called uh Blackjacks. Um and we have a new um album coming out in uh, December. Um the single is out now. So I think maybe we could start there. I mean it's really kind of like more like a African post rock kind of situation. Um the song is called Harare and we feature a vocalist from Lesotho called Morena Leraba and it's a song about migration. Let's hear that. Thank you. 
So that was um, Harare by Black Jacks. That's your latest single, is it? Um, it is, but let me not uh, hog the mic on the music thing here. <laughs> My fellow uh, director, co-director, Perivi, is also uh, a musician. Um, he was like, I think, we, weren't you once the biggest rapper in Namibia? Oh, <laughs> and we just happened to have a mic right in front of you. <laughs> Good. Tell us about that. It's not cool, not cool. Not cool. <laughs> um, no, no, I was part of a collective uh, hip-hop group um, in, in, in some many, many years ago in Namibia. Cool. This, this is true. It was called Run Nams, believe it or not. That was the name of the group. Awesome. Were but, you rapping um, in, in English? Yeah, well, mixed. We kind of mixed it up. We were like the Wu-Tang. I think there are like seven of us. Um, so there was all types of all different languages going on we mixed it up a bit but um no no i think in terms of music that was i, I don't dabble much beyond that i i do a bit of production um sort of electronic hip-hop ish sort of vibes uh, under the moniker the pharaohs um but beyond that the pharaohs yeah yeah awesome there's a great uh, band called the pharaohs from chicago do you know that band no i don't from the 70s really yeah, yeah. go and look them up awesome oh, wow. okay. like the black arts collective type of thing oh, like cool. like the um Art ensemble. It was kind of funk with you know artistic and Afrocentric kind of vibes. Anyway, mm. um, since you, it's very interesting to me that you're both filmmakers, but you're also musicians, and this seems to reflect something. I mean, I teach creative industries here. We've got this new centre at SOAS for creative industries, media, and screen studies, which reflects the fact that there aren't these hard distinctions between these different things. Any, even if there ever were, there was an always an attempt to divide these things up, which I. Sort of, you know, never really suited me because I like all kinds of stuff. But nowadays, um, you know, nowadays it's tagged the creative industries. But what we're talking about is a kind of a place where creativity takes multiple forms. Mm. Just, I'm just interested in kind of you. And this is a bit of a tough question, maybe, but to give us give us a sense of the nature and the state of the creative industries in in Southern Africa at the moment. I mean, you're from Namibia, you're from South Africa. How's it? How does it feel? I mean. Your film gives a sense of the kind of stranglehold of a certain kind of old-fashioned way of doing things or a hierarchy. But how how is it feeling at the moment? Um, I think um, I can say for me, um, 
it is definitely um, the, the the South African kind of tag tagline for a couple of years was alive with possibility uh, as a young democracy that which is uh, hilarious because um, as much as this is true for some for a lot of people it is not so I think uh, it's even harder uh, for people who are trying to make work that is not necessarily um, uh, the biggest aimed at the biggest commercial um sort of uh you know a lowest common denominator thing um and the, i find that um a lot of the time um there there is a prioritization of the numbers which is uh very problematic you know there's this assumption that uh democracy works you know or always works that somehow if more people are into something then it's right uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, as we've learned through history in many disasters, uh, uh, a group of people, an overwhelming number of people can be wrong and the few can be the ones who were right. So I think the industry feels like that sometimes. Everybody is like trying to catch up. We are a new democracy uh, with uh, new money and trying to navigate a, a, a kind of first world modes um, and, you know, this developing world, uh, under this developing world kind of um, umbrella. And uh, it's it's difficult because you see a lot of people just trying to um, climb um, this this ladder uh, and and replicate or mimic uh, other people that they see being successful, uh, American um, and European artists who basically uh, dominate uh, the the global media. So a lot of the time, any kind of real kind of art like kind of um, internal voice, kind of arty ways of uh, people who want to explore other things, you know, it becomes uh, difficult. So I think in that sense, uh, it is, um, I would say, a little bit bleak. But having said that, we're sitting here. So <laughs> I mean, one, one of the ways you're describing it is for the, the continual need, the continued need to change the focus, what has been branded as or called decolonization, decolonizing, you know, in universities, we're trying to decolonize the curriculum, we're trying to de decenter the obsessive focus, for example, in creative industries, there's a great new book out called uh, Global Creative Economy, which is just trying to use examples, which aren't drawn from either Australia or the United States or the UK, to think about, you know, the music industry in Ghana, K-pop, Bollywood, try and really center those things. I mean, is, is this something that you think is, is valid? Is this something that you can see happening? Um, it's totally valid. It's totally valid. Um, to say the least, and I think particularly in Namibia, we are sort of ways beyond, behind that because we don't have sort of a sophisticated approach to African studies. And like Bumi is saying, the models are very much, we are very much copying uh, what we get from the West, from Europe and America, or even for us, really South Africa, because Namibia is sort of this little South Africa. Um, or we are often creating in a very isolated way, so we can't quite jump on to the things that are happening in SA in South Africa and we're not part of Francophone or Lusophone or what have you. So Namibia is a bit of an island and it's very small. Um, so it's very suffocating, I think, to create there and out of that. And this is before we are even taking on the questions you're raising in terms of changing the language, changing the references. Um, so I don't even know if we're there. And for me, the major issue is just around how stifling that is to, to create from that space, I think. And... Um, I think, um, yeah, again, it's this question of whether there really is space for unique individual creative voices um, within these constraints, which I, I don't really think there is. If we're going back to this, the standard maybe being set by those Corsese comments, human beings making art about what other human beings are feeling and thinking, and I don't see there as being much space for that at the moment. The trend really is just to follow trends or to kind of... Um, but it's also this thing of maybe, I don't know, young democracy, um, being such a young country and being so impressionable and having very little in terms of what we dictate for ourselves in terms of 
industry, be it food or culture or or commerce. So there is very much this the 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 culture of just wanting to be seen. Um, I just want to be seen. I just want to be looked at, um, and we see it reflected in sort of the Instagram culture or obsession with fashion and aesthetics rather than content and psychology or yeah i don't so how do we decolonize that i don't know <laughs> yeah anna you you would have an interesting perspective on this because n street productions which you've um, co-founded with kudzana chiorai in 2007 is conceived as an equal collaboration between europe and africa so i'm interested to know in a quite practical sense as well what your advice is to non-Africans wishing to engage in the decolonizing project with Africans what should they be thinking about how you know doing how should they approach this well unfortunately I, I don't have an, an well I have an academic background but but not in film um, um, in geology actually and and the way and the way that I that I see this is that um, the the plates are m- moving um, in very different ways now. And I simply spotted that the tectonic African plate was the one to really jump onto. Because when I first went to Johannesburg, um, the art scene seemed so much more, um, seemed to be asking much more vital questions than the one that I was used to in London. So it is a young democracy and there is much, much still to debate and to decide. And I think particularly then, fast forward 10 years from my first sort of South African, African contact, uh, contact then, then you have a new generation of political leadership um, and, and, and women-led leadership too in Fees Must Fall. And I suppose for me it was a very pragmatic decision so I meet a fine artist whose work I'm interested in we become friends we spend time in each other's countries and I and I was just very interested in the questions that Kuds and I was asking in his work in a very seductively very aesthetically pleasing way his canvases are are things of great beauty and horror so I felt that how how would you how would you document that those those questions and the answers um and I film was the thing I knew I knew most about so as I decided to go down the road of that discipline and I didn't have any 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 training or I hadn't read I didn't I hadn't read about decolonizing the gaze I just knew that the films that I saw by um by the north about the south were really bad and I wanted to make really great work. And so for me, it was a really practical decision um, that if Kuds and I were to make film work together, then then the only part of the gaze that was European would be producer. It would never be director or writer. Um, and in the end, uh, it became people very interested in his work. And so it was relatively easy to raise funds to make a film set in the in his world of ideas and to do that I just went to live in Johannesburg to 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 better understand uh uh how to find someone to to make that film um and and actually that turns out that that's a bit anthropological what I was saying but honestly I have absolutely no I have no theoretical background at all I've had I've had to almost catch up to have my own work um, not explained back to me but to understand how it can be described in an in a with a decolonizing lens on it because i was just uh, filmmaking is a brutal pragmatic process you just have to keep going to the end really it's it's interesting that you bring up feast must fall because i think something that does need to be said in terms of this new decolonization movement is that it really did start in south africa with roads must fall in in terms of acad- academia and universities across the world and tribute needs to be given to those students and those staff members who set that off in May 2015. And now it's a massive movement across universities around the world. So it's not a case of, you know, again, Africa being 
put in this bizarre teleology where it's always behind the West, but actually um, the, the, the principles for decolonizing the curriculum were set in South Africa. Indeed. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. No, and I, I was just going to say also, I think this thing around coming back to our lead actress, um, our, our lead character who's called Fanon, and I met Pumi and Anna. I was presenting a paper here at Westminster. There was a, a conference there maybe three years ago. It was quite quite some time. Called Black Skin, Black Film, White Mask, which is sort of a take on Fanon and trying to understand that psychology and looking at partic- per, um, particularly a series of films that came out from South Africa, or sort of hyper violent about you know young township youth in South Africa, usually directed by white men and usually sort of with this gaze around this sort of hyper-violent masculinity that we've seen so much of um, in films, and particularly films from our part of the world. So it was sort of a critique trying to understand this. And, but now I think, you know, moving beyond, um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of very um, sort of centered to critique the gaze. And is it, a, you know, is it a film about women being made about men? Is it a film about young black men being made about a white man and, 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 and the issues around that? But we're also now getting to, in terms of the decolonization conversation, the machinery, the industry of it, because as we are, I think, trying to, again, uh, you know, talk about with this film, film festival film, is around those challenges of making a film and what it's like for the filmmaker and what it's like in terms of taking on the industry or how do you use the industry to serve these stories or to center people who have perhaps been on the margins traditionally and have not had the platform to tell stories. And we have to have these very difficult and honest conversations about the machinery of it. So like with, uh, with academia, it's like how, what does it mean to really transform these institutions? And, yeah. and there's a limit to that. that and very much of the work that's been done on diversity, the question of diversity right. and the diversity initiatives that have been put in place in, across the media in the UK. And uh, academics like Anamik Sahar, who's at Goldsmiths, um, who wrote a book called Race and the Cultural Industries, mm-hmm. but, and also Lenny Henry, I don't know, the, the comedian, yeah. you know, have made the point that these diversity initiatives are just a cover, right. really. You know, right. it's a numbers game, right. it's which doesn't actually game. change the power structure. Right. And really, it comes back to, you know, who's got their hands on the means of production right. to use a, a well-worn idea, you know. It, where, where are the black-owned black businesses? Where are the people, the black decision-makers? You know, not that they have to be making black stories. They just, you know, I mean, Lenny Henry always says, you know, the point is there should be 30 different stories out there, not just the one, which is the one, you know. So people get very wound up just discussing whether, you know, Top Boy, is that the right representation of black youth? He's like, that's fine to have Top Boy, but let's have let's have 30 or 40 of them. And then, exactly. and then it dissolves that issue in mm-hmm. a way that just having diversity in the newsroom or, you know, X amount of screen time right, right. doesn't doesn't work and this is what i'm finding as as shall we say black voices are being centered more and more we're actually seeing the kind of the, the stranglehold and the, the kind of suffocating of the, the 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 independent voices and the need for because now the rallying cry is to sort of access the center and things that had been previously denied but for a lot of these institutions or be it a hollywood studio be it the government be it um academic institutions they need in order for to, to continue operating the way they've operated, they need us, if you will, to validate, but also in terms of actual numbers and the way that the world is going. It's not that the doors opened and blacks and browns were allowed access to the sort of capitalist machinery. It was, we need your bodies and we need your minds literally to continue feeding and for this beast to continue growing in the way that it is. So how do we access these new opportunities but with with eyes wide open with like, wait a minute, I, I know what this is. but <laughs> So we need, there's this really interesting tension happening then because of that. There's yeah. a very concrete set of questions that go with this. I mean, I was going to ask and want to make sure that we ask this question before we finish, which is, you know, for those people listening to this podcast who have not seen your film, how can they see? How can they see it? Where can they see it? Whew. Well, no, because of these problems with uh, distribution. I mean, if 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 there aren't uh, enough uh, lovely people like yourselves in the world inviting us to come screen, then it becomes difficult um, because we're focused on making film and we are not a distribution company. That being said, um, 
we are setting up a, a website uh, as we speak. Uh, it is also archived uh, at the Berlin, um, is it a, what do they call the center again? Um, the Arsenal, the film house in, in Berlin. Yeah, which is like uh, the museum, basically, um, um, and uh, library uh, in, in Berlin. Uh, um, and available, I, and through that, available for licensing. Yes, on their website and so on. Why didn't you just put it on YouTube? Well, I think there is a time for that. I think I think it has to run a certain um, uh, s cycle um, at first, because what what happens is um, the way human nature works. From what we have learned <laughs> in uh, my experience, if you make it too easy <laughs> to to so to valuable. see it, yeah, uh, especially especially if it's an independent small production uh, like this that is not uh, the poster is not plastered all over the tube then people just you know uh, look the other way I think uh, showing it to people who want to to see it who are making the effort uh, like yourselves first in those spaces people who are already plugged in I think is, is really um, something that moves the message from a, a solid foundation up, you know, to a broader um, audience. You know, we value every single approach that, that we receive and we do all that we can um, to, 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 to deepen and extend beyond just a screening. So if we can get one of the directors to the screening, we'll, we'll do we'll do that um you know if if we're if the directors are in europe and we've somehow managed you know uh, to get across the atlantic then we'll do as much as we can with with everybody here and in terms of uh, african diaspora um uh distribution we do have plans for an all africa tour of african universities um hopefully taking Pumilelo's two two films and the second album that he's been working on, and 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 what's interesting is is you know conversation a relationship can begin with just a screening, but it can really deepen if there's a common set of goals. And so I was just thinking today um, that Professor Davies just come back from Kenya, um, and and then suddenly realizing goodness, you probably have academic connections throughout throughout the continent because we want to take that through universities we want to take it to the decision so are you saying that you leaders. are open to requests how, yeah. would, how would people contact you yeah so we're we're uh, uh, you know across social media we're quite easy okay. we're, we're we're quite we're quite easy to find and and we 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 try every every opportunity we get um here today you know bringing bringing both directors not just one director bringing all three producers um because it's really from these very careful conversations that extraordinary work can be done and if we're to change if we're to reverse the lens then we can't we can't do that alone and so it behoves us to recognize allies when we see them but also not to spend too long knocking on doors that are firmly shut because they swing open suddenly when they think there's something that they're missing out on the latest thing and there is this there is this african gold rush at at the moment and and i think is right to really question it because if that's from institutions you know it depends what stories they're then they're then going to tell um because it might be that that's our opportunity to change uh the idea of what uh, an african film might be like rather than to follow the old the old idea that would be that would be to move backwards i think um, yeah, hashtag film festival film. Um, and also, um, yeah, the soundtrack. You had mentioned something about the soundtrack, uh, the yeah, score. I, of, I loved of, the music, especially as it built at the end. I just found that potent. Yeah, I have that for you. It's somewhere here. So Awesome. Well, we'll yeah. play that out um, cool. maybe as you did on the, the end credits because it's got a kind of throbbing yeah. techno ominousness Weird. to it <laughs> who was the composer again uh worked with uh, joao orecchia who is a long-time collaborator of mine we have another project together called motel mari aka motel mari african gospel choir and uh, it's kind of more like an electronic um 
group. I think a lot of uh, so it's, it's it's basically a lot of um, analog synthesizers and uh, Ableton loops, guitar, drums, three piece. Yeah, great. Just it would be lovely to also know how listeners can access your previous uh, films, The Black President and The Unseen. Yeah. Also, hashtag Black President Film. Um, we have a website, uh, nstreetproductions.com. Yeah, and through mm. our, our partners, um, uh, through the Berlinale Film Festival, um, through the Forum Expanded team who help run the archive uh, in in Berlin. Um, so we will that information will be included in all our social media and on the website. Uh, but I would say because we're you know we released the film in February and we're just working on the website now. You know, a filmmaker is a filmmaker. A filmmaker is not a distributor. We all have other projects that we're working on, and we can only we can only go at our at our own pace. Which is why we'd always look for partners who've already answered all of these questions. Because why? Why must we start from scratch? That that's that's not the way. It's the way the way to do it is to get is together. And what if we want the unseen to be seen? <laughs> um, I'm on social media and I'm on. Uh, I've got a website, just my name, perivikachavivi.com. So all information is up there. Okay, and we'll put, we'll provide links to all of that on whatever landing page or yeah, right. if cool. probably on the Center for uh, Creative Industries Media and Screen Studies at SOAS. Right. Um, so, final question: um, If you're willing to share, what can listeners look forward to in the next few years? I believe there's an African trilogy on the way, and Mpumi uh, uh, and Anna and Parivi. If you could also just tell us what you're working on. Yeah, we at uh, N Street uh, Productions are working on an African trilogy, which is three thrillers. Um, one of them set in Zimbabwe, Harare. Um, one of uh, which is basically a kind of autobiography or biography um, of Tambuzo um, Marichara, um, uh, a writer. Uh, the 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 Jimi Hendrix of African literature, if you will, <laughs> and um, the the other the other is uh, set in the Bavarian Alps. Um, it's a migrant, um, um, an African guy finds him, finds refuge in this in the Bavarian Alps, and uh, people start dying, um, brutally murdered. Uh, beheaded and uh, obviously he's the only thing that's changed in the village so he's like the number one suspect but nobody wants to point a finger at him because that would be racist so more people keep dying and that's kind of that film uh, and then and then the other one is uh, White City which is set at the uh, basically around the BBC and it's around um, cover-ups political cover-ups, um, essentially. And uh, it follows a young uh, lady called uh, Leah who is looking for her father, um, as it were. Um, I'm working on a, a feature called Under the Hanging Tree, and we are close to shooting, um, very close, so close. We keep postponing, but we will shoot very soon, and it's a kind of a film noir uh, crime story set in the Kalahari Desert, small town in Namibia, um, female police officer who stumbles on a series of grisly crimes which kind of blow open some of our colonial wounds and ghosts of the past. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see all of those. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been great. And Thank you. Um, yeah. I can only recommend that people do search you out on social media, go and see Film Festival Film. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah awesome. thank you. See you.